Fingertips above the water, you watch me drown You could have saved me, but you let me down, babe I'm good, man. How are good you? Good to see you. Good to see you too, bro. Good to see. You. I'm glad you're back. Thank you for your patience. We had this, some we had some scheduling gymnastics to do all on my accord. No, we didn't. Uh, I was just talking. No, it's we been, didn't. It's it, we're you know we don't we don't date these shows generally, but it's the it's the Christmas season here in 2019. Right. There you go. And we're jamming a bunch of shows in here. Um, but good to see you. Last time good I checked in on you, I couldn't reach you because I. Wonder what the hell you were doing, and next thing I know, you're like in Nebraska. Yeah, so what yeah, the hell have you been doing? We we uh, we traveled a lot this year, which is good. Yeah, a lot more that's than last an understatement. year. So, um, we're just trying to get out there and uh, share the music, and it's cool because people keep inviting us back. So, uh huh, it's been uh, it's been fun. Well, the last time you were in, we talked a lot a lot of things. You um, at the time had just kind of. Uh, Written a song for our good friends uh, Devin with Rough Creek. Yeah, but you had yeah. at that time. I don't think we actually we talked about it. I don't think at that time. I think it was no. I think we, it was. Did uh, we, or we couldn't. I think talk we were about talking about the start of it, and we just had uh, Got it. Ready Set Life just came out. Right. And, right, um, right. Which which has been great. I think that song's been uh, uh-huh. doing really well for us. So. Absolutely. And aluminum cans was aluminum the song. cans was the song. Excellent yeah, song. Thank you, brother. Excellent song. Thank you. And and. Hell of a video. The video that the they did was too. great. Were you there yeah, for yeah. that too? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was Excellent stuff. And of course, Devin's Devin's a gem by Rough Creek, Aluminum Cans, written by Mr. Frank Vieira. Yeah. Yeah. So the reason that, that all kind of surprised me was the last time we we spoke, um, and it was the first time we had met mm-hmm. too. So we were both a little bit guarded, probably on the show. But but I didn't get the sense at all that you were going to just go out and hit the road. Well, I mean, hit know. the road. I mean, hit the road. Hit the fucking road. You, <laughs> you got out of town. Yeah, man. We uh, we're really fortunate. We have um, we've been able to do a lot of cool stuff. Um, my band's awesome, and mm-hmm. everybody we work with is awesome. We have a, a great booking people, and in a couple different locations, and it's been uh, it's been pretty awesome. So uh, Tracy and uh, Kenny have been hooking us up with some shows, and right, uh, life has been pretty cool. So. Yeah, so tell me a little bit about um, that, that. Tell me the tell me the entire tour. You, did you start going west? Well, so we, you know, being from Pittsburgh, we kind of do less of a tour, and and we do one off weekends. And is that how it was done? Okay. Um, we kind of you know hop around. We were down in Virginia a couple weekends ago. We went right. out to Nebraska. Played played in Chicago. And now Nebraska is um, not your typical weekend jaunt. No, it was it was long, man. It was long. <laughs> it was long. We had fun. We had a lot of good times, and uh, you know, thanks to uh, to Glenn who uh, who drove us out there and uh, put up with all our shenanigans. So was it, it was a good. straight? Sh- did you guys go straight shot? Uh, so we stopped in Chicago. We played a show in Chicago, okay. and then uh, played a couple shows in Nebraska, and then headed home. But it was Nebraska back to Pittsburgh was a straight shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a little bit of a haul. Yeah, it was about uh, it was about a twenty hour Sunday. So One day, good. One day, man. That's what it's wow. all about. Wow, unbelievable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So a lot of photos have surfaced um, from those gigs, and crowd size pretty darn good yeah it's been fun man it's been really cool because we we have this great um opportunity to play for rooms that are pretty special um you know the the venue in nebraska was great and 
um, down in Virginia out Sidewinders. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's been nice to get into these rooms that, you know, a lot of your heroes go play. Yeah. Um, so um, that's been pretty neat to see, and people people have been really responsive to, to what we're doing. So it's been it's been a good year, and, and hopefully next year will be another good one. So. Yeah, so, nice. so um, let me ask you this. When you were halfway through 19, did you see how it was going to end, or did you, did you just you know, come at you pretty quick? Eh, it's been it's been a busy year. I think okay. it's been uh, it's a lot busier than I think I expected it to be. Okay, but um, it, it's one of those things where you hope things like that happen and plan for them. And um, when you have opportunities, you kind of gotta run with it. So um, that's what we've been doing, um, and it's it's been fun. It's been nice to see it's been nice to see people singing back songs that are our own mm-hmm. in different parts of the country. So yeah, that has to be um, the ultimate reaffirmation, right? It is, man. We were, we, we were up in, uh, Syracuse, New York at, uh, at turning stone up there. Mm-hmm. They have a, they have a cool country bar called tin roof. And, um, man, I'll never, I'll never forget it. Cause I was like, I don't really, you know, um, my mom and dad came out cause we're like three hours away or whatever it is. And, um, that was cool. So I know they're there. And then, um, you know, all of a sudden, like, we're playing the first original of the night, and I look around, and there's, like, five or six people just singing, and I was like, oh, all right, this is good. This is, you know, and, and that's what you want. If you're if you're putting out original music, you want people to come to your shows expecting to hear those songs and wanting to hear those songs, and, and that makes it worth it. So. Uh-huh. Last time we were here, we spoke, um, like I do with most artists that come on, there. I get their takes, their opinions on uh, the current environment for marketing your music. Yeah. And you were the first artist I had at that uh, stage where you actually you actually enjoyed. I do. The, and I'm, I'm mm-hmm. going to get into that a little bit. You enjoy streaming. You enjoy the uh, f- download distribution. You enjoy that because your take on it was that it's, it's great to be able to expose your music to as many people as possible. Is that right. correct? Absolutely. Can you expound on um, that for me? Yeah. So for for me, um, and and I understand like the the folks who are frustrated with stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I totally get it. Like our revenues cut in what like a penny, you know, um, which is really frustrating. But the the counter to that is, and the way I look at it is, there's never been a more even playing field for everybody to compete. Where if you believe in what you're doing and you're putting out a quality product and you keep putting out a quality product, eventually there's going to be enough ears that hear it. And mm-hmm. um, I think last time I, I spoke about how um, we've shifted this mentality from the control of major record labels and, and basically having all of the power to really the, the consumer having the power. Like consumers tell us what they want to hear mm-hmm. and and it happens at a much quicker pace than it used to you can put a put out a song and two weeks later find out if it's good yeah so you know so point to entry is quick yeah yeah creation to entry to yep. the market's quick yeah and, and it's also great because you can um you know for somebody who likes writing songs and experimenting with stuff we can put out a variety of stuff and see what works for people and um keep the art portion of it real because if you're always making music it, it turns out better you know, so that's that's kind of my thoughts on it. Do you think there's uh, the argument of it being risky doing exactly what you just said, which is you can throw samples out and kind of test the waters? And do you think number one does that dilute 
does that dilute the dilute the product, Emmy, as an artist? Also, do you think that that uh, maybe ultimately undervalues the final song, the final cut, the, the finished cut at all? Um, well, when I say that, I mean putting out final products. So you can put out more final products in a year okay. than you used to be able to. And, okay. and you can really push, instead of pushing a whole album, you can push individual songs okay. um, quicker and better than you used to. But the thing for me that's really... Um, really great about what's going on is you can you know we're in a society that gives instant feedback mm-hmm. so um, if if people are vibing with what you're doing you can do that and it also separates if you know uh, Joe Schmo puts out a record and it takes three years for more music to come out then you know there's that three years time which used to be you know not a lot of time and then now it's almost like a decade it's an eternity right so so the connection with people is a lot closer um and if you believe in what you're doing and if you have you know uh, enough songs that you believe in you can Mm -hmm. keep putting stuff out and hopefully people you know keep enjoying it and you know the ones that don't work the they're a blip Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. you know more stuff comes out is the album dead that in in terms of maybe and again I different generations here but yeah. from what I remember of an album in the seventies and the eighties was that was the album. If you were lucky your favorite artist would put another one out the next year. Yeah. Maybe two in a year, possibly. Yeah. Then it started to get once they got success, it was like every two years. Yeah. And they got mega success, it was almost once every three or four years. That format of waiting for enough material to to press the vinyl, get it out, is that format dead now? I don't think so. I think it's all, you know, um, it goes back to music being widely consumed. Everybody can do and really um, project what they want to. There are people who work better in an album format. There are people who do conceptual stuff really, really well across you know ten, eleven, twelve songs, mm-hmm. um, like a story. Yeah, Almost like like, story. like guys like uh, you know like Clutch always has cool mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's guys who release great singles and then you know it used to be you hear album and 12 of the songs suck and there's two songs that are your favorite yeah you know of all time yeah and there's it, a few records out there like that yeah <laughs> it, it's just you know and it's all genres it doesn't really matter um but there's people who work better in that format and for people who work better in an album format you can literally put an entire playlist on youtube and just run through that album right you know and um that's even more readily accessible mm-hmm. than it has ever mm-hmm. been. So, what what do you so. prefer? Do you, do you like to produce a great song and then get it out to the public right away, as opposed to waiting for enough material for an EP or an LP? I don't know. Um, I would love to put out EPs all the time. Um, what is, I, is that typically I, a time frame? Help me understand what an EP is. Is it like typically four songs, three songs? I believe it's anything less than eight is the magic number. Okay. Um, oh, I, I didn't know that. So there's okay. a lot of four songs, four song EPs, a lot of six song EPs okay. going on. Um, the last thing we did was a six song um, EP. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've kind of been releasing singles um, for the next little while. We're going to release a bunch of individual songs throughout the course of next year. Okay. Um which is cool and, and exciting because it's a little different, you know. Um, but to the EP thing, I think it works really, really well if you know you have songs in the chamber and there's, you know, eight of them that are done and you can lump four of them together that sound really good together. Okay. 
and and put that out as a as a product and then maybe there's a couple offshoots that are a little different and you throw those out as singles so okay um because major artists just seem to be going the single route to me yeah i think so i think i think what's really interesting right now is there's um there's a lot of people producing on a on a scale almost less and putting out one thing at a time but the benefit of that is you're getting um typically you're getting a little bit higher quality product for one song that's getting marketed really really hard Mm -hmm. and really really well and if you have all of your ears on one thing it's a lot easier to focus on one thing for two months and then one thing for two months and then one thing for two months and then one thing for two months okay you know um and i think that's just how people are kind of our brains are working right now you know do you think this was this so that's definitely different than putting out a body of of work pressing it putting it out then waiting and putting another body of work out so that's different do you think the public was the driver for artists to, to to produce this way or do you think this was a record company kind of driven um idea of, mm. of single release single release single release I don't know um I I I think it's probably twofold I think it's probably the consumer is saying more 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 right um so you have to figure out a way to give people more like our society just craves content right mm-hmm. now so the more content we can give people the the more satisfied they are and, and the happier they are um and and the more you know your own personal brand can be out there and if you're an artist like you assume that your whole body of work is part of your art so mm-hmm. um i think that allows people to constantly stay connected um and i could also see the the record label saying well you know our revenue is cut into a tenth now because mm-hmm. people used to have to buy 10 songs instead of one mm-hmm. so why are we giving them 10 songs like i i could see that too so got it um but i have no idea i'm just no know, and I, just a guy talking we're, we're, we're just spitballing here <laughs> uh, and the reason why i wanted to ask you these questions is because you are you embrace the digital environment we are in now for music mm-hmm. you're one of the few musicians i've met that actually does yeah Everybody's kind of a little, and I, and I, I think it's because I'm a little guy. I think it's because you're also younger too. Had, had yeah, you put yeah, out maybe. bodies of work uh, under the yeah. old format, and you yeah. saw your ass cap checks, you know, dwindle down to nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> yeah, but is it? Do you still think it's possible for? Is this, is it still possible to make money directly from the consumption of your recordings? Is that even still possible today? Outside of your maybe your top ten, you know, highly pushed artists that are you know on every radio station or on all the television shows, outside of those folks, is this still possible, or must you tour to make your money? Um, I think it's an interesting question. I think it goes back to why are you making music? Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a person who makes music because it's a part of you and your goal is to get it out to as many people as possible, and money is really secondary mm-hmm. um which is really hard for a lot of people um i've always been a big believer that if you if you put in the work and you believe in what you're doing enough like those things take care of themselves mm-hmm. um and there is ways to 
you know, make revenue on songs and make revenues playing. Um, but I think it's all perspective. I think if you're, if you're in it to solely see the paycheck at the end of your song, I think it's certainly, um, it's certainly squandered a lot of people's hopes, Mm -hmm. you know, um, there's not a lot of revenue immediately from putting out music. It's just not there. But Mm -hmm. the cool thing and the, the nice aggregate thing about what putting out constant music does is, um, you know, everything's driven by playlists and, and algorithms and stuff now. Right. So the more you show up in people's stuff, mm-hmm. the more revenue you can generate. So the more content you're creating, the more revenue you can generate based on all of the things that you have your, your hand in and all the little okay. um, nuances of where your stuff's being streamed, how your videos are being consumed. And, and I think that's really, um, that's a game changing thing that people aren't recognizing is, you know, well, the average person doesn't understand all that stuff. I'm speaking from experience. Sure. I mean, so you have a background in that. So it probably, it makes more sense to you on the, on its face sure. than it would for people like myself. Sure. And, and I think, you know, the hard thing is, is what is, what have we always been drawn to in music? Is it really like one song or is it uh like you were saying a body of work like a an artist thing okay so if it if it is the artist thing part of the artist thing now is all of that content and all the stuff that comes with um the music itself so it's the shows it's you know how you interact with people it's your merchandise and and all of those things can make up for some of the lost revenue if you're just putting out an album okay you know little right turn here what's your thoughts on recording live are we ever going to see a uh, a frank a live vera, me record yeah a, a live frank vera record hmm. do you number one number one do you think there's a market for that in 2019 oh absolutely i uh, think i think it's um okay um if you you know one of my heroes guy eric church mm-hmm. um you look at what he does he put out that 61 days in church live record and um for his fan base and the people who love him, that is the perfect thing because mm-hmm. his live show is part of what makes him so great. Um, and I think it's all, you know, it goes back to the artist thing. Like if that's part of your thing, if if you find that your live show is something where people show up for and it's a special, special, special moment for those people, then yes, you, you figure out a way to put on a great live recording with all of the little nuances of your show. Maybe there's weird covers in there and mm-hmm. um, stuff nobody hears. And I think that's a great way to do a live recording. Um, but for me personally, I think, um, I personally think I have too much fun producing and, and working in a studio environment. Interesting. Um, to take that aspect away. Um, well, I don't mean take it away, but would you see? No, no, I know. Add to the repertoire an extra recording that was like your experience live. Yeah, and I just don't know. And currently, it could change tomorrow. It could sure. change in a year. It sure. could change um, in a couple of years. But um, in in the current you know state I'm in, I love I love being in a studio. I love um, the little nuance you can put mm-hmm. in the little um, you know the the vocal sound effect of you know, a, a change jar dropping on the floor that you can't get somewhere else. Right, um, right. Uh, the little stuff like that, the little ear candy stuff is really, um, 
neat and something that's been driving me production wise. So, um, and thanks to, to Mike Ofka who just kills all of our mm-hmm. production. He's mm-hmm. awesome. Um, but right now it's probably not something for me, mm-hmm. but the way that we would probably go about doing it is doing weird songs that aren't on anything else and just that's interesting. doing them as a songwriter. That's interesting. Know? Um, but that's kind of my take on it. I had Clinton Clegg of the Common Heart in. He's incredible. Yeah, and he yeah. was he was in a couple of weeks ago. He's incredible. Man. Yeah, yeah. We were actually in Chicago the same weekend. Oh, get up! Yeah. yeah, great guy. Great, great guy. He has no idea who I am. I just follow him. I'm He's sure he does. Yeah. I'm sure he does. Um, <laughs> his point was that a little different than your take on it. He 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 considers the common heart a live act there's so oh, much there's, energy yes, they are there's so much yep. there's so much going on yes there and we talked and, and it you know because i'm a big fan of as a music fan i'm a huge fan of live records and it goes mm-hmm. back to when i was a kid yeah peter frampton all you know the 70s all that stuff but again it has to be done right mm-hmm. and i'm sure you know even today with the enhanced technology it's still going to be hard yeah. To get all the band members to agree, that was a good take of one of our live songs. So it yeah. could be a process, well, right, to get and, it right. And sometimes that technology works against you in okay. a live setting, right? Like if everything is being recorded so clean and so polished. In you might as well be in a, a studio. Live, <laughs> right, you might as well be in a studio. So uh-huh. it's how do you, um, you know, how do you take the things that make your live show special and incorporate them back into a live recording? Like is it? the way a crowd interacts with the song or how do you mm-hmm. actually capture that and mm-hmm. you know maybe the the real solution is maybe it just comes with video you know yeah that's, that's an option um, and and uh, it just all depends on who you are like who wouldn't want to hear clinton sing live right like mm-hmm. i get that like mm-hmm. they are a live record band and mm-hmm. you know it, you come out to one of our shows live like you're there to have a good time you're not necessarily um nothing I ever sing will blow you away the way that his voice can, you know? And I think that's a very live record feel. We might write songs that you might say, that's one of the best songs I've ever heard. And you might hear it in a moment and, mm-hmm. and get captured in it. But it's not, it's such a different juxtaposition of like what we are as artists, okay. you know? Okay. He, uh, he had a very interesting answer for me when I asked him the following question. I said, wouldn't it be great to have a common hard live record because all the nuances and the expanded solos and the in and for an artist to take something and go off and do their thing and then come back around again and experience all that. Yeah. And he said there's not that much of that. Mm-hmm. He said there's a little room. Everybody has a little room live, but it's pretty much um what's the word? Pretty much scheduled. It's pretty much yeah. planned out. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna we're gonna meet at the end of the song in the way we pretty much directed it to be, yeah. and that surprised me because I thought they were, uh, I don't know, I thought there'd be more improvisation there. I thought there'd be more of, um, I don't know, um, more jammy. embellishments or something yeah. to it, you know. Yeah. But he said, no, they're they're pretty much on target. It's pretty scripted. It's pretty yeah. scripted out. Yeah. Are you folks the same way? Are you guys pretty scripted? Oh I mean, yeah, yeah. We're <laughs> we're scripted to, uh, um, you know, we we run everything with. Uh, our ears and and click track and everything so um you know if you <laughs> if you put us on a three-hour show and you said start at 
eight and end at eleven. It's okay. start at eight and end at okay. You know, eleven exactly. So, um, from a scripted standpoint, I think um, the interesting thing about that musically is while it seems like it's limiting, the reality is it's a lot harder to work in that framework, and it makes it makes every single moment count a lot mm-hmm. more than if you know. There's no room to fuck up. There's no room to mess up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. There's, there's, um, the margin for error is a lot less. And, um, the cool thing about that is when you start doing that, there's, um, magic moments that can happen inside of that time that allows things to gel differently. Or, you know, you play a song over the course of two years and all of a sudden the song that you started with here and the song that you got two years later has this unique, different vibe because inside of that time frame, you know, all the people who are who are there making it live have figured out, man, he's doing this stick hit at this exact moment, and what if we all stopped here and did this, you know? Um, so it's a it's a cool. Um, it's like an evolution. It within is within the band. Yeah, it's an evolution within the band, but it's also like inside of that structure. How do we? make everything more dynamic without elongating the structure right. make it all still work in the same time yeah, frame exactly but when um what i loved about live records is and to to uh, continue with that theme that you just said i can listen to the stones play gimme shelter in like 74 mm-hmm. on a live record then listen to it again in 89 90 and mm-hmm. hear the differences yeah and then listen to it two years ago yep. and hear the differences mm-hmm. and if you love a band and love a particular song, different incarnations of a song, that's kind of the beauty of being an appreciator of music. Oh, so totally. It's, so it's not sterile every time. And my point to you would be, do you do different things on your live when you play these songs yeah, yeah. of yours live? So those little nuances and idiosyncrasies might be really... Might be cool so, to hear live. I think so. Yeah. And, and the other thing, too, is why I think it would be great for bands to take charge of their live performances on the recording front is... We're all walking around with very powerful devices now, mm-hmm. which make bootlegging video and audio uh, much easier than it yeah. was decades prior. Yep. And the bands didn't like bootlegging back then, mm-hmm. uh, but they always had that thing while well, the audio kind of sucks because these people with their tape yeah, recorders. It, it less would, and less the case, huh? Well, that's that's my point. Yeah. Technology's made it so so good, but no matter what. Holding uh, a device and recording from the audience, whether it's video or audio, as opposed to having it professionally done, mm-hmm. having all it mic'd run through a soundboard, yeah. then having you guys do a little post, you yep. know, yep. that would be the finished product that would still supersede any kind of bootleg. Would you yeah. not agree? Totally. Totally. Totally agree with that. Um, and the interesting thing about that is I love stuff like that and I love hearing it, but there's also this really cool rawness to those people's cameras on their phone uh-huh. and getting a different perspective of what's going on and getting a different audio of what's going on. So you find and, them useful for you when you go back and re- look at your, your performance? Oh, I, I love watching, like, if people send us stuff from a show, uh-huh. I love watching it because I think it's really neat to see their perspective of what we're doing and if okay. it's actually connecting or not. You know, there's a lot of stuff you can curate inside of, you know, an official production. And there's a lot of moments that only can happen with that little handheld device. Interesting. If you're interacting with that person. Interesting. Or, you know, it's a great way to, you know, 
create more content, but it's also a great way to interact with the people who are interacting with you mm -hmm. on stage. So, mm -hmm. you know, if somebody's over there filming us, it takes me half a second to run over there with my microphone, keep singing, and take a photo, right? Got it, got it. And, and those little moments change the landscape of how people feel about you. Got it. You know? Yeah, so, so they're opportunities. They're fan engagement opportunities. Well, they're fan engagement opportunities, but for us, too, like, it's really awesome and really cool and really rewarding to see people interact oh, with stuff yeah. that way. You I know? get it. I um, get it. it. It makes it special for us. Like, okay. you can look back at those moments and say, dude, do you remember when this happened on stage? Like, uh -huh. and, and it's there. It's captured forever. And that's you know? the beauty of music in general. Yeah. It's just the memories, right? Yep. I mean, that's the whole reason why we're so in love with songs. Because right. sometimes it isn't even a song. It's just the fact that where were you at that point in your life and who you were with and what you were doing. Oh, totally. Totally. And that's uh, that's the ticket, man. That's the... Uh... So talk to me a little bit about songwriting. Yeah. We touched briefly on it last time you were here. Mm -hmm. Is that, Does that still supersede everything for you? Is that where you find mm -hmm. the greatest joy? Is the crafting of yep, the song? I wrote a song today. There so you go. That's what it's all and about. That's, man. And that's even, and even, even that even supersedes live performances for you. That yep. supersedes everything else. When you're writing, are you writing with? Did you start writing with the idea that it's going to be a song that you are going to perform? I think I do. I think um, I, I think that's always kind of where the best stuff comes from. Is if it's real, if it's your experience and. Um, your voice on stuff you know you mentioned connecting um, those memories and, and times in a song and, and that's what our last last release was was the ticket and that's the entire vibe of that song is capturing those moments where you paid X amount of dollars for this little piece of paper and what that little piece of paper gets you is timeless and priceless here right. forever in your heart right? Um, and that's what, what that whole song is about so for me um, when you sit down to write a song, it's, you know, it's a lot of therapy and okay. soul searching. And then, you know, you turn those experiences that you've had into something relatable for everybody or something that, you know, um, works on a scale where somebody can hear that song and say, yeah, I, I had that moment, but my moment looked like this. Or mm -hmm. um, I know exactly what you're talking about. I just happened to meet a girl with blue eyes, you know, mm -hmm. um, and that's, I, I think it's, if it doesn't come, if it doesn't come from your own perspective, then it's really hard to um, make it authentic. Do you also, though, write it with the assumption that you are going to be the one who records this and sings it? Because that's what I'm getting at. Like, like I, I realize it's coming from you and has to yeah, be your, yeah, yeah. from your soul, but you have been successful also at giving songs to others, you know. Sure. And I wonder how that thought process. Yeah. Like what are the? Is it all unique each song, or are there certain things like when when you had aluminum cans? Mm-hmm. Did, how did that end up with? Uh, with how did that the, end up with Devin? With Devin, yeah. Um, <laughs> how, what, so, what's the process? How that works? So start to finish on that song, like <laughs> I was just sitting on my porch, drinking an aluminum can. And started writing a song about aluminum cans. And about halfway through um, this chorus, I was like, wow, I really want this to go here. And I can't hit that note to save my life. Okay. So okay. so all of a okay. sudden, I'm like, what does this song actually sound like? 
Um, and then, you know, you kind of take a rough demo of it, file it away. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe somebody comes up to you months later and says, hey, do you have any songs that feel like this? And it's like, oh, yeah, I couldn't sing that song. Do you think you could sing it? Okay. You know? And um, for me, that's that's kind of how that project started with Devin. And um, there's a couple other songs that um, I think he might do, and uh, which is pretty cool. Like, that's a, that's a really neat honor to um, have anybody cut your music because they feel like it's good enough, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, and that's a pretty special thing. Your songwriting process, does it, I'm guessing you do it with guitar in hand. Does it all start with the guitar? Um, most of the time. I think sometimes, uh, and it's neat because my process is really, um, I think it's like everything else. It's like any other craft that you do, you eventually um, fall into a little bit of a rhythm with it. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while you uh, really stray from that rhythm. Mm-hmm. Um, just because you know where your line is right and then why don't we try this or why don't we try this um so i think sometimes that um you know the variance in that can kind of create new things so um every once in a while you start with like a melody in your head or right. um a couple words for me i i usually um i have an entire like note on my on my phone of just song titles mm-hmm. um and i think that's a um, pretty powerful way to start. A lot of songs are, especially in country music, are very um, singular focused. In okay, um, like Aluminum Kansas is a great example, right? Like every um, every line of that song can relate back to an aluminum can or a perspective of an aluminum can. Um, so keeping the themes alive within a song are mm-hmm. a very like very core songwriter country music kind of right. thing. So, right. Um, so there's an example where you're saying the process for you sometimes starts with a title. Yeah. As opposed sometimes to... Sometimes you get a melody. and But for me, I'm I'm usually a title person. Okay. I'll, I'll usually work back backwards from, you know, like getting a title to all of the things that revolve around a title and then going into, well, how do we assemble... Uh, chorus and verse structure around mm-hmm. what we want to say. So. Have you written songs where you've started from different places? Have you started with a rhythm one time as opposed to a title? Have you started with a lyrical, a, a bulk of lyrics? Did it have, have you done done it all ways? I think so. I think um, <laughs> I think if you write enough songs, you eventually figure out enough weird ways to start music. Okay. Um, I think one of my, one of my favorite things is. Uh, my brother's been on on two cuts that I've done for myself, okay. lyric wise, and uh, he'll he'll just call me up and he'll be like, uh, "I got a great idea for a song. It should be this, right?" So, mm-hmm. and he's your brother, so you're you're gonna write a, write a song, right? So, um, taking that idea, which has zero lyrical melody, any kind of content, and saying, "Oh, we're gonna we're gonna make a song," okay, and then coming back like a week later with here's your song is is kind of a, a neat way yeah, of it's creation things. yeah I mean, that's like that, that has to be for someone that does not write songs that has to be incredibly rewarding yeah i i think it is too I, and one of my favorite things that i ever did songwriting wise um is one of our really good friends her name's megan um 
she wanted me to write a song for her father-daughter dance, mm-hmm. which was really cool because, you know, you want to make that as personal as possible. Sure. So it was almost like, um, it was almost like sit down, let's have an interview, right? Tell me all of these things, right? And then okay. you take all of this, this content and information and then you download it into um, like verse form and melody and structure, um, which was neat. That was a really different, um, different way to write. Do you do you subscribe to the formula? Do you have a formula? Um, was it the like chorus, chorus, bridge, chorus? Right? Probably. Is that, is that, is that pop, it's a pop it's, music. Uh, yeah, it's. Um, I think I think having a formula is is probably smart. It's smart, but it's less about. Um, I think it's less about knowing you have a formula and more Mm -hmm. about what actually is music right like we consume music so much that almost every song has some pattern of verse chorus verse chorus wasn't there a formula for pop music like is it 96 beats a minute or whatever it is Is there's there's a pop formula to some degree which has certainly encroached on country music i i think i think more than specific formula there's probably like parameters right so okay if we went out and sang a song with like four choruses right and and i think it's pretty pretty easy to determine when a chorus happens or is coming um and you sang a song with four choruses people would be like that's not music that doesn't make any sense right because well, mathematically whatever that is, those notes equate to the listener yeah but we also like our brains are incredibly powerful right yes so we've we've created throughout culture and throughout time, we've created this way that we perceive music in a singing and written form. So Mm -hmm. um, we're so accustomed to some of the things that we hear Mm -hmm. that when it's not there, it no longer feels right, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So, so some of that stuff is just, Hey, that's what music is. And some of that stuff is, you know, so deeply ingrained in what our mind perceives Mm-hmm. we want to hear mm-hmm. that you just kind of like it just happens you know yeah so <clears throat> i get it completely from a, a heart from an appreciator of a lot of hard rock and mm-hmm. rock and roll um there is generally the formula yeah. even in hard rock yeah. but you always have some outliers yeah. like rush was a band with time changes and rush is crazy weird yeah. stuff weird sounding singer yep. weird sounding drummer weird mm-hmm. weird procedural drummer you know technical drummer yep. so there's always outliers would you not agree and, and oh, I, yeah. I, I think of like um paul mccartney played all this you know very cookie cutter i'm not dismissing the Beatles. I'm saying the formula for the Beatles was very pop-related. Oh, yeah. pop yep. And then he goes to Wings and does these really trippy style, mm-hmm. different time changes. Yeah. And those songs became very popular. And they weren't what people were generally used to hearing with the Beatles. Yeah. So I think but, but, but what you're saying is those are all kind of like outliers. Those are, those are not... They were taking it... They got lucky. They got lucky that the public accepted it. Sure. Or... I don't know. I guess I'm trying to say is it can be done the other way. You can take yeah, yeah, yeah. obtuse things and make them popular. Absolutely. But your chances of that happening are just quite less than staying within the predictable formula. Sure. And you also have to be a genius to do those things. <laughs> you know, and I'm, I'm just a simple guy <laughs> with some melodies and some ideas. 
but you're, you're you're totally right um you know some of the the best songs have really weird structure like yeah um which is which is really out there some something that's you know super modern music wise that's really weird is some of the the songs on billy Eilish's record mm-hmm. right like there's a lot of it, it's almost like having two bridges and like two different choruses mm-hmm. and maybe like a weird whisper verse thing um but some of the, the song structure there is really weird but more so than that i think what we're getting is a lot of people missing messing with the dynamics of songs and okay. how you know how you can literally flip a genre on top of its head in a verse or no question um change the entire mood of a song and it's acceptable to like take a country song and then all of a sudden have like the bass fall out of it and all of a sudden it's like oh this is almost like a dubstep song this is weird right Mm -hmm. so so some of those things um while our core structure may be similar and the same like that's kind of messing with tradition yeah tradition and, and perceived um perceived idea of what things should be it's probably pretty cool to be able to mess with the mind to a degree where you write a song and it's it's moving along as predicted as mm-hmm. the mind anticipates it's going to be and then something doesn't resolve the way sure. it expects and the, the public can either be intrigued by that and catchy and they they cling to it or else they can be totally put off by it yeah is that right i i think so i think one of the the neat things that um you know production tricks that you hear a lot at the end of songs is like this weird tension that forces you to resolve the song by playing it again mm-hmm. right i think that's one of the most common uses of of that trick is you have a song resolve on um not a weird chord but at a weird time yeah and then all of a sudden it's like the anticipation is it's going to start again yeah as it like fades how, out. how do i start this song well i'll just play it again you know, and uh-huh. and that's uh-huh. how you end up, you know, listening to a song for twelve hours. When so. you when you write and you create the song structure, and let's say you have it together, have you ever been surprised that that okay, here it is. I'm playing on acoustic. I have all the lyrical content, chorus, chorus, bridge, chorus. It's you know, it's not cookie cutter, but it's 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 a good one. This is mm-hmm. a good one. And then you go into the studio, and when it pops out the other end after it's touched by different people maybe mm-hmm. are you ever do you ever sit back and go wow that was not really how i envisioned it oh yeah i mean not that it's bad but it wasn't really it I, wasn't the vibe that i initially wrote it in i think some of the best the best stuff that musically we've put out has happened like that really i think some of like one of the coolest things and and i've always tried to do this is surround myself with like the best people possible and and everybody around me is so incredibly gifted why wouldn't i let them use okay their gift so you're and, open to it then right and you know we figure out a way to mold everything back together okay and does this sound right no let's try it this way or no let's try it this way um but there's been so many cool ideas that happen in the studio that um are available to us because I, I've always felt like we have this really open vibe right now in the studio where everybody can try what they want to and everybody's open to, you know, 
criticism and open to sure. new ideas, right? So sure. as soon as you allow that openness to happen, all of a sudden everybody has great ideas. And when stuff just starts getting thrown at the wall and you can have that flexibility of, you know, messing with a song to the point where you remove an entire verse and say, right. this doesn't work, let's do this. Right, 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 um, right, right. I, I think it really... Um, it allows things to be more dynamic and it also um, I think when you take a step back and you pull yourself out of the picture and let people who are truly good at things do what they're really good at you start seeing the whole product be better okay right you know, Does it take you, a little while to get that way? Like, would they, are you different so. now than when you first started? I think so. I think it's taken, um, you know, and, and everybody who, who works with me, it, like, those guys are all so good, man. And, and it's been such a cool thing to, like, all grow together and um, really influence the effort level and, and everybody's involvement. And um, just seeing where we're at now doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, especially in the studio like the studio stuff has been really cool because there's this great vibe right now of everybody feeling like we can go in and crush something mm-hmm. and and make it our own and make it really unique and um, that doesn't happen if everybody's not comfortable so no, I get it um, that's been something that's that's been pretty cool lately Norm Nardini was on a couple days ago, and he said, the best thing that happened to me was that I finally admitted to myself that I don't know everything. Yeah. A man has to know his limitations. Yeah. And he's, you know, when I, he goes, when I was open to letting others, you know, really put their, their mark in my process, mm-hmm. he goes, I did my best stuff. Yep. You feel the same way? Absolutely. I, I think, <laughs> I think the less of me there is in stuff and just keeping the understanding of what we're going for. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, obviously lyric wise, like yeah, I'm a big lyric person. That's, that's probably my thing. Okay. Right. So if I let other people do their thing on a project, it's going to be better than my personal thoughts on, Hey, maybe we should try this. And that stuff happens. Like you, well, let's try this. Let's try this. Let's try this. Let's try mm-hmm. this. I'm a big process person. Um, it takes forever to make music sometimes. And okay. That's okay. Okay. Um, so I, I totally agree with that. I totally agree that when you let people do what they're good at, they feel more confident. And then the entire thing gets lifted to a new level. Have you ever done a song and, um, well, let me ask you this. Would you would you go play a song live before you've actually recorded have you done that uh i do a lot of acoustic okay. i play a lot of um i play around a lot of songs that i've written acoustic by myself before i do anything else interesting um and i think that's pretty important because um you know it's really like taking uh it's taking like a really quick focus group of does this work um, and there's a lot of songs that I th- thought were really good and get zero reaction. There's a lot of songs that I thought were really tacky that people love. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if you don't like constantly put stuff out like there or stuff like that out there, then how are you gauging what's working? 
how are you or is it just a unilateral decision that like this is my best stuff and i'm doing it or is it wow people seem to really like this let's expand on that okay um and for me that's that's kind of how it's gone so your acoustic Um, sets your acoustic that's kind of like your proving ground for new material yeah and i and i think for and, and this has been really cool man like we're we're so fortunate like we we have a lot of um awesome people who started to show up to a lot of shows mm-hmm. um and it means the world to me to see that so for so one of the things for me that's always special is knowing that you know those people who come to a lot of stuff they hear the same show a lot so if if i can do anything to make our show more special or make it more unique um i want to do that so maybe it's me playing a bunch of new sure. acoustic stuff sure and, um Hopefully that's something that people look forward to when they come see us is, mm-hmm. wow, maybe, maybe I get a new song that I've never heard or nobody else has heard. Um, so that's, that's for me, it's, it's a focus group and B hopefully for people who support us, something new and different that they can see at a show they've seen, mm-hmm. you know, a hundred times. You ever written a rock song? Um, I know because what you do is close to rock. I was going to say very, like, very, it's very close to rock. Everything is country, right? Yeah, pretty much. So pretty much. But have you ever written with this, um, like, wow, you know, this could be, this could be some driving guitar here on yeah. the rhythm. This could be some, you know. On my very first project, I wrote a pretty heavy song called Jekyll and Hyde, which was like, um, it's just really heavy. Okay. Like that, um, deep big guitar swampy like badass in your face kind of thing okay um so that was cool and uh you got it out of your system huh (laughs) well well i think it it stays with you right like Uh they're the coolest thing in country music right now and and country music purists won't like this but you can you can pick little pockets of things that you like from other genres and bring them back to you Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. um you know maybe that's not very traditional pal no, I don't, I don't, I don't, um, I write a lot of songs that could probably be mm-hmm. super traditional, mm-hmm. um, and I love traditional country music, and um, I love 90s country music, I, I think. Well, what do you think 90s country music was traditional? For me, it is. Think about it. I was, oh, boy. I don't yeah. think Garth Brooks is traditional. Well, you know. I mean, I don't know. It's all perspective. It right? is perspective. I so, guess. Back then, when um, he was doing what he was doing. He was not being viewed by the traditionalist as country right. music. No, and and I get that. And he was know, country kiss when he played. That's yeah. pretty much what he yeah. was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have I have my fair share of Don Williams records. At home, so, um, fair enough. That's the dude. Fair enough, man. Um, fair enough. But uh, but yeah, I, I think I think there's this really cool thing in music right now where experimentation is okay and if somehow you figure out a way to make all of those things just Mm -hmm. you right like if you can stand apart as who you are as an artist then all of a sudden it really doesn't matter right 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 like your um our our days of like painting genres as certain things really limits what you can do as an artist there's no question you know, yeah, so no if you're if you're going out there, and your entire goal is a to get your music out there, and b to make great art, 
and see to, you know, entertain people. Right. Um, none of that has anything to do yeah. with, do you fit in this box or no, this box totally, or this box? Totally. So, um, which that's a problem anyways. Like I we talked so. about that last time. Yeah. You, I, I'm a big believer in no boxes. Uh-huh. Um, I am I, too. I think. It took me a while to get there, yeah, but I am now. I, I, I think, am. I think, um, there's great country music and there's really bad country music. And I think there's great hip hop and there's really bad hip hop. And, um, and, we we just kind of need to stop, you know, mm-hmm. disliking things because mm-hmm. we're told that it doesn't fit what we should listen to, because mm-hmm. there's a good there's a good who's po- telling us this? good possibility that that guy who wrote that hard rock song was influenced by the exact same song that wrote that traditional country song or mm-hmm. or vice you know, versa. Everybody hears stuff differently. So. Yeah, and, and you mentioned last time you were on too that you really were. Um, what excited you was when when genres would cross over, would, would collide, yeah, and excellence would come out of there. Yeah, I love that stuff. I think I still think one of, um, uh, one of my favorite things that happened was uh, I forget I forget now. It was either Brad Paisley or Keith Urban and John Mayer on Crossroads, mm-hmm. and it was one of those things where like you have these two incredible. Um, guitar smiths like in their prime just taking each other's songs and putting their own twist on them it was definitely Brad Paisley I think now that I think about it it was definitely Brad Paisley and John Mayer yeah so like you hear Brad Paisley singing Daughters or something and but that was um, to me that was the coolest thing because the version of you know a Brad Paisley song that John Mayer can do mm-hmm. is this completely new mm-hmm. profound mm-hmm. way of doing it and the version of a John Mayer song that Brad Paisley can do is this quirky fun right. um, you right. know playful way of doing it right. and the reality is the only reason you can do that is because they're great songs like you could change no whatever you want and if the song is good it's good yeah, it'll it'll the trom the the song will transcend genres or styles or whatever, and that's I guess always been the case. Uh, yeah, love growing up hearing different versions of Zeppelin. You know, you'd mm-hmm. have so you know we'd have in the eighties cover bands and and uh, just other accomplished artists coming together and doing Zeppelin. That so there was one in the early nineties, a whole album of Zeppelin songs. And I remember saying to myself, I wouldn't want to make this in, in mixed company, but I kind of like this better than the, the real thing, mm-hmm. you know. So it, again, it, it's really just other people's interpretations and yeah. spin. Yep. And how can that not be good? Right. You know, even if it, the song it ends up not being good, it's the effort and the willingness to be able to open your mind to mm-hmm. different versions of something that you love. Right. And and it goes like it goes back to our original thing of like, um, you know, talking about the monetary value of it. And for me, it's like what's the point we're there for those moments right uh-huh. like right. you're there for that moment that changes your life in a song mm-hmm. you're not there to find out how much money eric church made on that tour mm-hmm. you know yeah that's a i think a, i think the money is always tainted music but you can look at any artistic 
uh, field. You know, it's art. You know, whether it's graphic arts, it's mm-hmm. could be visual art, whatever it is. Ultimately, in the end, I think it tends to get to the point where, when money supersedes the passion or the original intent of the art, mm-hmm. that's where the corruption starts. You know, I sure. agree. Totally agree. Yeah. Totally agree. And you, you talked earlier about what what was the main driver for someone to get into the music business. I'm sure there's been people in you know dec- more easier probably decades ago, but got into music thinking they're going to be rock stars and make a little million dollars. And a small like one hundredth of one percent of those people might have done it. Yeah, it's possible. Those are probably not the people that made it though. <laughs> probably not. Probably you know? not. Yeah. And the the to me like if all of the sudden like we never got paid to play another show again and um, nobody ever bought anything ever again Mm -hmm. and there was no money involved with it, what would I be doing? I would be sitting on my couch writing songs, right? Mm -hmm. And and that's... um, Because it's in you and it has to come out, right? Yeah. Yeah, otherwise... Pretty much. Yeah, otherwise you, you know, have other issues in life. Yeah, well, again... (laughs) <laughs> no, and as, and you're right, or else, and you deal with them by abusing stuff like this, or Cheers. you know, salute, right? Yeah. So, but again, it does come back to passions, and whether it's music, whether it's business, whether it's industry, whether it's this little crazy thing that I'm trying to do here. If you feel like you're passionate about something, I mean, you're living proof. It, 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 your life can really be enriched by by diving into your passion and yep. and seeing it through, and I think it doesn't happen with enough humans. You know, yeah. I think that there's probably a lot of creative people out there that never, they just don't take that first step. Yeah, would well, you agree? We suffocate in what the world expects us to do, right? Mm-hmm. Or what we believe the world expects us to do. Mm-hmm. You know. So before we get into some music here, because I'm dying to hear that guitar and, and oh, yeah, you yeah. sing, uh, what's what, that? I've never seen it before. Uh, it's a beauty. <laughs> what um, what's going on with what, what? What can you? Obviously, you're winding down for the year now, right? I saw the next gig yeah. on your website. The next gig, I think, was at Jurgles. Is that correct? In January, we are twentieth or something. So our next our next show is actually Friday. It's a benefit show. Um, for St. Jude's okay. at 31 Sports Bar. Okay. I think I'm playing acoustic. So, um, but after that, we not have, this Friday. Your Friday before Christmas. This Friday. Oh wait, the 20th. This is the Friday before yeah. Christmas. Oh my gosh. Time's Whatever flying. day it is. Time's flying, man. Time's yeah, irrelevant. Time's irrelevant. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right and on. then, uh, right on. you know, we're closing out closing out the decade at uh, Tequila Cowboy on New Year's Eve. Yeah. So, that, so. that's your so Tequila Tequila Cowboy New Year's Eve. That's yeah. your that's your welcome. That that's your New Year's Eve gig. Yep. All right. Now, yeah, and, and then it was Jurgles the twentieth of January. Is that right? We're uh, we're not. Oh, you know what? We're was it, with February? Eric Paisley or Eric Posley, however he pronounces it, <laughs> um, who's a phenomenal songwriter. Yeah. Um, but we're with him February twenty seventh at Jurgles. Or okay. no? Yeah, it's Thursday. It's February. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and then February and March, and we start playing music again. You say you're going to take January I'm a, off? I'm taking January off. Good for you. Yep. I haven't had a year or a month off in um, probably seven or eight years doing this. So I'm sure the family will appreciate yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my wife is awesome, man. My mm-hmm. wife, um, she is the coolest person, and I'm so grateful for her support. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and we have our little baby and yep. I'm just looking forward to a cool Christmas and uh, time to chill. So after yeah. after New Year's you can breathe for a little bit, right? Yep. So yeah. New Year's should be a good time. Yep. Breathe for a little bit, kinda reflect and you know, um I think times like that is nice because you can kind of take a step back and prepare for mm-hmm. you know, uh what you wanna do. Do you anticipate getting out of state again in 2020? Doing more touring? Oh yeah, we're we're uh, we're. Um, Is there an announcement coming probably, that you can't talk about? No, no, no. We're we're probably you can talk about it if you want to, Frank. <laughs> we're probably going to be around a good bit this year. Um, and for folks in Pittsburgh, they might not be super happy that we're not playing around a lot in Pittsburgh, but that just makes the shows we are playing in Pittsburgh more special. Sure. So. Absolutely right. Well, I don't think anyone here, anyone that's an appreciator and a fan of your music, would want you to not go out and expand <laughs> expand your reach. You know, right. I mean, come on. I mean, yep. we selfish a little bit, but <laughs> now it'll be it's going to be a fun year, and uh, we have a lot of new music coming out. Um, we've been we've been working really hard, um, really consistently through the past year when we can. Okay. Uh, making new stuff and and just trying to create a constant stream of music coming out so um you know people can have stuff to look forward to and keep right. putting it on their playlists and right on you know right on i thought, right. thought the coolest thing and um it's the only thing i'm gonna say about me and uh whatever but the coolest thing that happened this year um, they send you like the end of the year Spotify. Yeah, uh, I see everybody posts them. I haven't seen everybody yours. posts them, right? So yours are. Uh, we had a good year, man. <laughs> um, but but my favorite my favorite part of that is uh, there were there were forty one nicely played, pal, 40, nicely played. <laughs> forty one people on planet Earth listened to me more than any other artist. Um, and whoever those forty one people are, mom, you can't be all forty one of them. <laughs> So, um, <laughs> I, I appreciate those people. Um, and they, uh, they mean the world to me. So right on brother. Right on. All right. All right. Yeah, man. Want to hear some music? I do want to hear some music. Yeah. What do you want to play for me? I don't know. What do you want to hear? I want to hear some old. I want to hear some new. I want to hear some old and new. Uh huh. All right. Hmm. Old and new. Yeah, I'm gonna do some, uh, some. Some. I won't do Facebook Live per se, but we're gonna do some, 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 record, some. Yeah, some filming initially, so we can get it up and out there right away. Okay. Cool. So uh, we had a uh, new song come out in November. Okay. So let's do that. All right. It's a little song called "The Ticket." And, uh, All right. A song I wrote with my brother about the little pieces of paper that change our lives at every event we've ever been to. And uh, I haven't had the opportunity to play this one a lot, so hopefully. So we're going to do it tonight. Suck. Yeah, man. Right on. You're a Packers fan, right? Shh. <laughs> Are you? No. <laughs> <laughs> Can't believe You're you a said Br- that. Everybody's a Brett Favre fan, though. He believes so. Interesting perspective. Green Bay, nine years old on my birthday. Dad drove for hours to see far play from a nosebleed. 
Roll seat five they want just me and my dad for once And life has moments in time And we freeze frame And pack and rewind The memories we make To whoever's playing that night Yeah, we get it, give it and live Thank God the day is pretty on the ticket. July, Saratoga, your green eyes had me falling all over for you at an Eric Church debut. Lawn seats, but landless chips. One long, slow first kiss. And life has moments in time and we freeze frame. The pack and rewind the memories we were making to whoever was playing that night. Yeah, we get it. Big city bar, I just thank God that I'm up on stage. And you may not know all my songs, but I hope they stick in your mind. These words live on and live Moments in time and we freeze frame and pack and rewind. We were making to whoever was playing that night. Here we get it, give it, and live And more than a day is printed on a ticket. Green Bay, 29 on my birthday. I can still see you, Dad, like it's third grade from that nose bleed. Cool. Nice job. Thanks, nice job. Excellent. Excellent. A little tearjerker, eh? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit for me. Yeah, a little bit for me. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good one. I knew it was coming though. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as you start doing this shit, it's like, oh yeah. Uh, I, I know the song. I know the song. Yeah. So as soon as you said the Green Bay reference, I'm like, oh, here we go. All right, we want to do one more. Yes, sir. You want to do? Uh, what did you say you wanted to do? You wanted to do old one. Whatever you want, buddy. <laughs> 
<laughs> Why'd you aluminum can? What I really want to do is play you a song that I wrote today. Oh, are you gonna play a song? <laughs> really? I think so. Right. My first crush was Patty Mayonnaise. Had Nancy Turtles on all my band Saturday breakfast and lunch was a big old bowl of Captain Crunch, just a 3D kit and a 2D world. Yeah, just a kid learning all I knew between that AM black and yeah, the 10 and 2. I'd save the day and a few nights too, just a kid and cartoons, just a kid and some cartoons Prime Queen backseat listening to Backstreet And I was going as far as the radio let me And I played it cool like Dirk said too Yeah, and we were working on those nine moves just a kid Learning all I knew Between that FM box And the 10 and 2 We'd save the day And a few nights too Just some kids And cartoons Couple kids and some cartoons It's 2 a.m. and they're wide awake Daddy, I can't sleep, save the day So it's Buzz Lightyear to the rescue Just some kids and cartoons A couple kids Learning all they knew Between 8 a.m. black In the 10 and 2 we'd save the day Kids and cartoons, couple kids and some cartoons. Any ones in particular? Well, this is an older, but uh, I wanted to hear your version of aluminum cans. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're gonna you're gonna say, well, that that registered it's a little high for me, but I you know. know how to play it. <laughs> Get the hell out no, of here, man! Not. Really? I can figure it out. Come on, man! It can't be that hard. I wrote <laughs> you it. You wrote it, <laughs> goddammit! Come on, man! <laughs> I just love that song. I love it. Home in the sap for your shotgun rider. You 
can kill a whole case if you're feeling inspired There's no substitute, I'm telling you, man Life's better with aluminum case So ask and down, raise them up No glass, no plastic cups Drink them with you if you drink them with me Part, I don't know. <laughs> you say nothing in your world's going right. Grab a dozen or so, and you can crash here tonight. And we can talk about it on one and each hand. Life's better with a friend in a aluminum case. So that's the Sponsored by Aluminum Cans. Yeah, sponsored by Aluminum Cans. Did a great job. You worried about playing that. Thanks, brother. What's wrong with that? That was good. Oh, I don't know. It just kind of <laughs> happened. I was going to let it happen. The, the bridge was a little wonky, but we got through it. Can you give me one more? What do you want? Can you play Fill It Up? Oh, yeah. Play that one every day. I kind of figured you did. Which, I always play it like so much different on an acoustic guitar. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Before I start, Sounds fun, good. fun fact. Um... This when I went into this, this is a great example of one of those songs. That okay, like, okay. Um, changed right, so I went into the studio and I was like, "Dude, so just, just picture this song. It's got like this Super Mario thing, right? Like whatever okay. I was doing." Okay. Right? And he's like, "No, that's terrible. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's give it some balls." It's terrible. <laughs> and I was like, "All right, cool." <laughs> Got that suit and tie stressed up oh, on no. Another 40 from 40 online. I'm about to get a little higher than I ought to be. This tall lady sitting right beside me. It's empty, but it's time. Yeah, fill it up now. Get the good times going. Get to your pack. Cold can't slow and it's all night. If you're able, it's on tonight in the county room, county. Yeah, 
It's a jam. Love that song. It's and the way jam, it jam, translates jam. really good acoustic, though. Oh, yeah. I, I wasn't, wasn't sure in the beginning it would, but it does. It really translates good to acoustic. It's jammy. Cool. Sounds great, yeah. So, thank you, man. Dude, thank you. Yeah. This is, good it, times, it, you, man. Yeah, you need, you know, I don't want another like, nine months for you come what back. What nobody though. saw is you shredding on this guitar. <laughs> we took a little break. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's your show. We're here to feature you, Tommy. They don't, they don't want to hack like me playing guitar. Look at this thing. Trust me. It's beautiful. Where's the, yeah. where's the but again, thank you. It's, uh, thank you for tuning in. Appreciate it. See you guys. See this guy on the road. See him everywhere in Pittsburgh. FrankVieira.com. Thanks, brother. God bless. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Very cool. Nice, man. Yanked him to.